Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The conversation you're about to listen to came from a Q&A session on my social media platforms. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, everybody. Hey, we're live. We're live. We're live. We're, we are alive. Well, we're today we're we're going through the wealth series in the last uh, couple of weeks, and we plan to like do that as we're kind of doing thematic stuff to see how you like it. And we got some really good comments. We haven't had any poor comments yet. So if you have comments like, "Ah, oh, you know, we liked what you and Allie doing uh, before," I kind of been working towards like let's let's uh, do some you know thematic teaching and more like Q and A because what happens is I teach all the time. And then, you know, people don't have time to interact. So we're trying to like create some sort of place where people can feel like they have some access because what happens during a week is I get all these questions like, oh gosh, I'm normally working 10 hours a day. So don't have a whole lot of time to answer questions. So we're trying to, trying to capture some of those. Obviously we can't answer all of them. And a lot of them are the same questions that, you know, different people ask the same question or very similar. So we're like, okay, we're, so we're kind of crafting our our weekly Q&As around these common questions and trying to do our best to make you feel heard and also answer your questions. So, you know, um, we're going to talk today about practical uh, ways of developing finance. And by the way, I, I'm not a financial expert. Uh, you know, I, I'm a business guy and an entrepreneur and obviously... Um, obviously a pastor and leader. So I, I'm not saying I'm uh, I'm stupid, but I'm also saying I'm not the last word on finance. So, um, but I do think that, you know, I think there are some practical things in the scriptures that we have practiced for years and that we've really, really prospered in the last 20 years from doing those, especially the last 15. So, um, so some of the questions are, you know, what are the practical ways you grow wiser in financial stewardship? And I, I think, you know, uh, I think it was Solomon who said in Proverbs, yes, he said, if you hang around with wise men, you get wise. You hang around with fools, you become foolish. I think who you surround yourself with matters. And I think the challenge that all of us have is that it's easy to feel jealous of people and actually reject the people that you actually need. Because, you know, if, if I'm poor and broke, it just makes me feel broker when I'm with someone who's actually did it right, you know, and they're prospering. And, you know, uh, it, I think it's kind of, you know, human nature to, to kind of build cases against people who are prospering in areas that I suck at. And, and then I end up not getting wisdom because I feel intimidated by the very people I need. So I would say, you know, the two things that that are common among people that we that we uh, that we that we should be with is that we are jealous of them and sometimes we're afraid of them. So breach the chicken line, as we say around here all the time. Like step over the chicken line and ask for some help. You know, uh, I think that one of the beautiful things that happens in our lives as leaders is that when we uh, when we sit down with somebody who's hungry to hear what we have to say. And who truly values what we what we where what we have to say? That's always a lot of fun. I wish I had a lot more time to do that. But um, I was with some folks uh, on Sunday. We had dinner together, and I was sharing with them some things we were learning. They're like, "This is so good. Can we can we 
can we get more of this? And so, you know, everybody, every leader loves to be with people who value what they have to bring. So find some folks that are prosperous and invite them into your life by humbling yourself and saying, could you give me some input? Um, do you and Kathy use a budget? We used to use a budget extensively. Um, you know, we lived uh, uh, on a very strict budget for the first 20 years of our life, raising kids. And when there wasn't, you know, when every single penny mattered because we we didn't have up anything extra. And, you know, we were in that season for 20 years where, you know, if you bought uh, shoes for one kid, you couldn't buy them for the other. So, and Kathy did, you know, a really cool thing. In fact, I probably should have her on here before. That's a good idea, Rachel. Rachel's sitting next to me, helping to guide me. But uh, I think it'd be a great idea to have Kathy on and talk through like some of the budget ideas because she did things like doing a monthly menu, uh, and then on that she would she would buy things in bulk for that menu, and then also develop it so that you know the leftovers for one meal would be the stew, and the next you know she'd make stew out of the next thing and pot pies out of things that were you know left over and and that's just we live very frugally so um no, i don't live on too much of a budget anymore because i have uh and it's, it's probably i should i i you know i know uh, guys on our team like david stein who's just a wizard with finance and you know they live on a, on a very strict budget even though they're 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 quite well to do so i think it's a great thing to do just haven't i just need to be honest and no. And do we save? Yes, we put money away. Uh, we have it automatically taken from our bank account. I mean, I think it's like, I don't have to think about it. It just goes in every every month uh, to different different things. Uh, and then also, um, we're like, it's our goal to give half of our uh, profit away. So we're, I think we're close to that most, most years, maybe even be over that sometimes. But yeah, that's our goal to give away half of our profit can't really give away half your revenue and i think there's a big for those of you that are in business i see people tithing sometimes off of their revenue and that's fine if all your revenues profit but for example you know uh our business uh before we left i think the last year we did four and a half million and there was a two hundred thousand dollar or three hundred thousand dollar profit so you know what five percent about so if i tied ten percent on revenue i would actually be tithing I'd actually be tithing money I didn't make. So I think it's important in the business world to understand that tithing off of revenue is, for most businesses, you know, impossible. And uh, and I think it's important we tithe off a of profit. Same thing with the with ministry, really, because we have a lot of expenses in ministry. Like even what we're doing right now has an expense to it. You know, we have, have two people working right now, to, you know, taking care of sound and and you know, actually developing the whole what we're going to do every week. So there's you know there's expense there, and then uh, you know our products like books cost money. So we may sell you know um, three hundred thousand dollars worth of books and have a you know hundred fifty thousand dollar profit. So um, I think that's important that we that you know there is a difference. How would you balance uh, risk and faith and finances versus safety? And not be stupid. I think that is a really great question, and I think it's a question that I ask a regular basis of myself. And 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 I think you know maybe this isn't the best advice, but let me give you some some of the way I think. You know, when you're younger, like you're in your twenties and thirties, and you know, I for me, it's easier 
financially to take a risk because I always think, well, if we fail, it's it's easy to, you know, we're young enough to rebuild our lives. And I think that as we've gotten older, I'm 68 years old, pushing, going towards 69. And so, you know, our goal, one of our major financial goals was to leave an inheritance to our children's children. So uh, I'm not in a, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not thinking I'm risking my money. I'm thinking I'm risking theirs. So I think that's, that's, and I don't have to try to like think like that. It's just the way I think. And I want to make sure that we're, Kathy and I are living to actually um, leave them an inheritance to give them something. So, um, so I'd say, you know, um, the question is around how do you balance risk and faith? I think that um, for me, you know, where um, I had a lot of eggs in the high risk, high reward basket. Like, yes, we're going to risk this, but if this prospers, it's going to give us a 10 time, you know, uh, 10, 10 times, you know, revenue back and ROI, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, now I'm, now I'm a lot more like I have a couple of eggs in that basket. Like I have a couple of eggs in the, you know, high risk, high reward, you know, big ROI, but big risk. And but most of my money, uh, my best investment right now, I, I think some of you understand this. My best investment right now is actually in our own ministry. For example, you know, a lot of times the uh, publishers will um, they'll take uh, one type of your book out of print, like they'll take the hard copy out of print or whatever, and they'll offer them to us for like just peanuts compared to what we usually pay. And I always buy all those up. And so we have warehouses of our books, but we know we'll sell them. Like, and that's, you know, some of those are, even if we sell them at a discount, they're, they're you know, 10 times a profit compared to where am I going to make that anywhere else and not without some huge risk, you know? So uh, uh, investing in our own ministry. And then and for us, um, this, is, does, this doesn't monetize well, but we're working hard to get, you know, all of our children in their first house, our grandchildren, I should say. We've helped our children now working with our grandchildren, helping them get in their first house. Because as, you know, when in me, I think this is probably a question on here, but when you have um, the kind of inflation that we have right now, you kind of have to get on that train because what happens is, is that with inflation, if you put $100,000 in the bank and you have inflation of 7%, and let's say you make 2% on your money, which is about common right now, or 3% on your money, you lost that, that $100,000, you know, it, it gained 3%. So, you know, what's that $3,000, but it lost 7%. So, you know, you lost $4,000 just having it sit there where if you have a product like um, real estate or, you know, something that, that is moving with, you know, up with inflation, and you have a house that's, you know, you have a house that's, let's say, paid for and, it, and inflation goes up by 7% one year, your house value goes up 7%, not not 1% or 2%. So, you know, and, and then, you know, let's say it, it goes up for five years and then levels off. Well, that you sell that house, it's 7% one year, let's just say 5%, 5%, 5%, 5%. 5%, so 25% over, you know, let's say five years, you sell that house for 25% more than you paid for it. And, you know, and of course you have some costs in the sale, but maybe you net 20% where, 
you put money in the bank, it's very likely that you'll lose 20% in, uh, with inflation. And so, and then, you know, um, we have a 401k that's in a diverse kind of portfolio. I, I don't have, um, I'm not a great stock guy. So there's several people on our team that are good stock investors. That wouldn't be me. So I won't give you advice around the stock market. Is the stock market going to crash or not crash? You know, let me, let me say this, you know, if we have a, another depression like the 30s you know the only thing that is going to survive that is you know possessions like gold or silver and maybe yeah house prices would drop in the depression and um the other thing that someone mentioned to me the other day and i i actually think there's some wisdom wisdom in this speaking of about uh, buying houses right now interest rates are high right now but the prices are beginning to drop now i don't know uh, I'm not saying anything prophetically uh, on this uh, on this call that I that I that I know of, but you know, so uh, as in, you know, as it's harder and harder for people to buy houses because interest rates go up. Obviously, the idea of raising interest rates is that house prices and and let's say commodity prices, retail prices will drop because it's harder for people to obtain loans for them, and and then as they drop, of course, then we have deflation, we have the the balancing out of inflation. So, you know, if you buy a house right now, or let's say a year from now as inflation as inflation continues to grow and interest rates continue to drop, I mean, sorry, sorry inflation grows and interest rates hot rise, what I'm trying to say. You get a house at 8%, which just sounds ridiculous. By the way, 8% was a pretty good loan, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and then uh, you buy that house and that and the house rises with inflation. And then, you know, three years from now when they drop the interest rates, because they will, it always works that way when interest, when inflation starts to curve, then interest rates over the next two or three years will drop. Then you refinance and you have the house you bought at a, a, you know, a better price and you've got, then you can refinance your loan. So obviously you have to be able to afford <laughs> those things. Um, how do you steward property how do I steward property I don't own, but I'm renting? Well, Jesus said um, a statement that I think is profound. I said it to the students. I read it to the students the other day. I, I think it was the book of Matthew. Jesus said, if you're not a good steward of what's uh, someone else's, who will give you your own? And I said to the students, like one of the best strategies to own your own home is to be amazing, be an amazing uh, renter or leaseor. And I, I really do believe that what you do for others will come back to you. And I, that's all through the scriptures. Is all debt bad? And can I use it to build wealth? Well, you know, I mean, the guru on these subjects is Dave Ramsey. And, I, you know, I, I he is a friend of mine. I mean, we're not like close buddies. But, you know, Dave Ramsey would say all debt's bad. I, I, I would say, you know, you can't go wrong with that with that kind of advice. But, you know, I, I personally, I think that there's the kind of debt that actually builds wealth, as I just shared with you. The challenge is, you know, and I think this is probably Dave's point, the challenge is that anytime you owe money to anyone, that if there is a serious downturn in the economy, I mean, you could be stuck with, uh, with you know, a house that's not worth the money that you owe on it, a car that's not worth the money you owe on it. And so, you know, and also remember that 
If you buy a house for cash, well, let's say this. If you buy a house on a 30-year note, you should multiply the payments. Like, just take your house payment and multiply it times 30 and see how that see how that, that equation works against what you think you paid for that house. So let's say you buy a $300,000 house and you multiply the payment out over 30 years. You're going to find out that you paid about, you know, 600000 at least for that house. And so, you know... The question is, at the end of 30 years, paying for that house for 30 years, is that $300,000 house in itself going to be worth $600,000 in 30 years? And of course, what's going to happen is you're going to say, well, you know, I paid that loan down, but actually you're paying a ton of interest on that loan. So if you can, if you buy a house on payments, I mean, one of the things Kathy and I have done for the last 15 years, anytime we've bought uh, real estate, is we always pay more than the than the uh, than the loan requires. So that you're paying because everything you pay above your loan payment goes directly to principal and dramatically reduces the overall uh, uh, amount of money that you owe. So I do think there are places to uh, to use money in a debt way. I, I was in business for years. We floored all of our uh, flooring. Um, let's see, we financed uh, most of our our uh, products um, at um, you know at the, in those days five percent, and the product had a you know like a seventy percent seventy percent margin in it. So, um, and at the time, you know, we if we didn't do that, we wouldn't be in business. But I think it's good in even in business to take you know ten percent. Like I always like to say, live on 80%. I think I said that in the last, our, our last uh, webcast. Like live on 80%, take 10% and, and tithe. So you make God your partner and take 10%. And, um, and you know, you can reduce your, your debt with it is the best thing to do um, and build uh, a nest egg for those tough days. On Any thoughts on how to handle almost $100,000 or more of student loan? Well, just pay it off. I mean, you know, like... I, I really am highly against student loans being forgiven. I, I'm, there's no such thing as, you know, free money. So, you know, if if student loans forgiven, it means somebody who chose not to go to college, chose not to make an agreement to, to pay for college, is actually paying your debt. So taxpayers who are you and me are paying for people who said, yeah, I'll, I'll pay $100,000 or $500,000 to be a doctor. And then, you know, what happens is, is that when the government forgives your note, I mean, the school doesn't forgive your note. So it's like somebody has to pay that. So I think just work hard to pay it off. And um, is there such thing as giving too, uh, giving away too much money? Um, the answer to that is yes and no. I think that you have to give, you know, there's the sower has seed and then you have fruit. So I think it's good to... Um, you know, to give off the fruit, but not give away the seed. If you give away the seed, then there's no fruit. And if there's no fruit, then there's, there's, you're not creating an ecosystem where there is something to give. So, you know, think about the farmer, the farmer had, you know, uh, if he, if he had a hundred tons of, let's say, let's say he had two tons of seed, he's, he's going to eat some of that seed or he's going to starve. But if he doesn't keep some of that seed to replant next year, he's not going to have a a crop for the next year. So I think that's Psalms 126 where he sowed in tears and so he could reap with joyful 
uh, a joyful harvest. It's like you sowed in tears. Sometimes you have to sow in tears because you um, you have to plant the seed you need to eat, and so you kind of go you kind of going hungry for a season to make sure you have a harvest. So, yes, I think there is a way to give too much. Uh, the The goal's motive it's not so much about giving too much as it is about making sure that you have a long term plan. So if I understand the difference between seed and fruit, and I understand that if I am a good steward of what God's given me, I'm always tithing, I'm always giving away 10%, always, because I don't get to keep that. But if I, if I give away 10, you know, my 10, I, might, I tithe my 10%, and then from there I have 90%, and I have to make sure that there's seed for the next 10 years. So like if I give away all my seed, I give away all my investment money, I give away any way that I'm investing, giving to receive, then I'm actually give then I'm actually giving away my future fruit. So yes, it's it, it probably is a inspires a great conversation. Um is investing in land and home. I think I talked to about that already. How do you know if your heart's in the right place? Is it okay to be happy about making a lot of money? Uh, you should be, you know. I, I'm right now uh, in my own devotional life going through Proverbs because the Lord said, be ready, the kings are coming. So I'm like, well, Proverbs was written by a king for kings. He said, you know, for example, if you sit at the table of a leader or a king, put a knife to your throat, don't desire his delicacy. So I'm like, what a better way to get ready for the king's coming than actually you know, studying the the book up a king wrote for other kings. So, and um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's important to to be you know so thankful for what the Lord prospers you, how the Lord prospers you. I think it's like I think I think um, gratitude slash thanksgiving, which are basically the same thing. Having an attitude of thanksgiving inoculates you from all sorts of things, and so and I think that. You know, being in a season where God's prospering you, you know, if you're prospering, what you shouldn't do is say, aren't I amazing? <laughs> I don't mean you should go, I suck, but you should say, God and I, God and I make great partners. <laughs> God and I make great partners. I'm the, I'm the mouse, he's the elephant. We cross the bridge together, you know, and we say, well, and I say, didn't we shake that bridge? But, you know, the bridge shaker is the elephant. And uh, if I make God my partner, and we prosper uh, financially. We're talking about finances right now, but you can prosper in so many ways that are more important than money. But I, we, we prosper. I say, man, aren't you know God and I? We make great partnership. Like He leads, guides, and motivates people. And I, uh, I listen, I learn, and I, uh, I basically invest where He tells me to invest. And I, I'm, I'm the, I'm the boots on the ground, so to speak. I'm the, I'm the hard worker in the field, as Proverbs says. I'm the I'm the guy who uh, doesn't make stupid investments. I'm the person who, you know, doesn't hang around with fools financially, at least. And uh, and out of his instruction, we prosper, and the kingdom prospers. And I should be, uh, in a good way, proud of that. And I don't mean in an arrogant way, but in a good way. It's like God and I, we make great partners. Well, hey, uh, I pray right now that you would prosper, as uh, Third John said, that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, please do comment because uh, I read every single comment um, that's on Instagram and Facebook, uh, especially on these lives, to get an idea, 
So does my team. I have two gals, both named Rachel. They they read over the comments, and it's partly how we set up the next next week's um, live, so that we are actually talking to things you actually care about. Well, God bless you. Have a very wonderful week. Uh, it's it's raining here in Reading. It's beautiful. Uh, thank you for joining us. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.